Once upon a time, Mark, mm. there was a town called Oscarville, Georgia. But there isn't anymore. Okay. Uh, or at least not exactly. Uh, Oscarville, along with several other Georgia communities, is at the bottom of Lake Lanier. Oh, okay. Is it like Atlantis? <laughs> it's like Atlantis, but like sad Atlantis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, in 1950, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers began work creating an artificial dam called Buford Dam, which would prevent flooding in the area, um, and a lake that would supply water and hydroelectric power to Atlanta, which is obviously the huge city in Georgia. So, it was a huge, multi-billion dollar undertaking that not only required a massive amount of just basic infrastructure work and, you know, all the building that goes into it and everything, Mm. uh, but also required buying out or otherwise relocating the communities that had existed in the area already. Okay, okay. Many of which had been there for, like, literally generations, uh, largely as farming communities. So, this area is just farmland as far as the eye can see. Where are we in terms of history here, in terms of time, where are we? So this is 1950. Right, okay, thank you. When this happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the repercussions of the process have led Lake Lanier to a reputation of being cursed. Hundreds have died there since its completion in 1957, and naturally it's rumored to be haunted as fuck particularly by one specter who has been known to appear quite frequently to the 7 million or so visitors that come to the lake every year. Cool. We'll we'll come back to her. So as is pretty much the case when we look at American history and how we built this country, it's pretty (laughs) ugly if you examine it too closely. This is is clearly becoming a theme. (laughs) Yep, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> Every time I, I talk about anything in our opens, I'm like, hey, Mark, do you want to hear about how terrible this country actually is if you look at it for a second? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do that again today. Uh, so <laughs> Lake Lanier is absolutely no exception to the rule. Uh, and you can probably get that hint simply by looking at its name uh, as its moniker honors the legacy of one Sidney Lanier, a Confederate army poet. Okay. So for those who are not up on U.S. history, those are the baddies in the American Civil War. The Confederates are the guys who are fighting to preserve the institution of slavery in the southern states and its expansion westward. Uh, And that will not be the last racist part of this lake's legacy that we talk about here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, So... I am not up on my American history. You'll be shocked sure. to learn. So what? Crazy. I know. I know. I know. I I I, I was playing hooky that day. So, <laughs> uh, who were the Confederates fighting then? What were the others like called? The Union. Okay. Yeah. So, the Union are the people trying to keep the United States together, make one country, all that stuff. And the Mm. Confederates are like, fuck you, we're getting out of here. We're going to secede from the United States so that we can preserve slavery. Because the North, the Union, had said, we are not going to have slavery up here and we will not have it uh, continue expanding westward as we move into the rest of what would become what is now the United States. Whereas the Confederates are like, yes, you fucking will, boys. Yes, yes, you will. You will not tell me that I cannot do that. Uh, States' rights. So, yeah, that's the Confederates and that's who Lake Lanier 
is named after. I see. Just great. It's really cool. Um, so, <clears throat> so you say this guy was a, a Confederate poet. Poet. Yeah. He wrote a famous poem. I believe it was called The Song of the Chattahoochee. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, apparently there had been a lot of like arguing over who they were going to name this thing after. And that was the compromise. Let's <laughs> say Confederate poet. They're like, ah, I mean, there's clearly nothing that's going to be controversial about that name in the future. So there you go. And mind you, by the way, like, as I said, this is built in 1950. Mm. Right. So this is like 90 years after the Civil War that they named this after this Confederate poet. So, yeah, it's kind of like an intentional choice that they made there about who they were going to honor in their Southern history. Mm. Not great. And who would have made that decision? That would have been like town planners. That would have been officials. Like state. Yeah. state People. Yeah. State government that was working on making this. Yeah, because it's a state project. It was actually, you know, a United States project. It was a federal project Mm. that was being made. So according to Wikipedia, the lake encompasses 38,000 acres, which is 59 square miles of water, um, which is 150 square kilometers, Mm -hmm. um, and 692 miles of shoreline, which is 1,114 kilometers for your reference. Um, So it's fucking huge. Uh, And people obviously lived in all of that space. uh, And agriculture was actually booming in that area. It was kind of famous for the fact that somehow the people who were farming there had done something that resisted a huge boll weevil um, overtaking thing that like had ruined farms elsewhere. But the people who lived in this area had somehow managed to uh, overcome that and still have thriving agriculture there. Mm. So lots of farmland in this area. Um, and they had to be convinced to sell their land to the government for this project, which, of course, to them, the land is, like, priceless. They've, right, yeah. So they've lived here forever. Their families have lived here forever. And now, you know, the government's like, hey, we need this. This is a big municipal project that we have to work on. Uh, but they assured them, of course, that they were going to give them a very fair price for it, you know, that it was going to go for, you know, whatever they were actually worth in order to do this. Um. And then they did, and everyone lived happily ever after. Fantastic. Welcome to Jack of All Graves, folks. Jack of All Graves, (laughs) episode 13. Um, No, that's not what happened. Um, The people sold, um, but they, you know, like I said, they'd lived there for generations. So it's not like they were up on what, like, the real estate market was like in Georgia. Mm. And it turned out, of course, that they undersold them on this. And they quickly had seller's remorse when they went to move into other areas and were like, we can't afford life anymore. And also, we don't have our farms. Uh, so that was super great. Mm. Um the 700 or so families who did sell were the lucky ones, though. Those that didn't want to sell were simply forcibly removed. Uh, and the government went on to break down the structures that would be a hindrance to the creation of the lake, like bridges, trees, and anything wooden that could float. Right. They also attempted to move the 20-ish cemeteries that existed in the area, but there's no way of knowing for sure whether they were able to get them all. Because it was common practice at the time for families to keep small burial plots on their land rather than in formal cemeteries. So everything that they didn't deem necessary to destroy, they apparently just left when they flooded the area, leading many to believe to this day that there are entire towns sitting at the bottom of Lake Lanier. And at least one of those towns has 
really bad vibes. So one of those towns is Oscarville, uh, the town I mentioned earlier. Oscarville was home to a fairly thriving black community in the early 20th century until in 1912, there were two high profile incidents that changed everything. First, a white woman named Ellen Grice accused two black men of breaking into her home and raping her. Then, a 19-year-old white woman named May Crow was sexually assaulted and brutally beaten to death. In the first incident, a man named Ernest Knox confessed, and he and his half-brother were sentenced to death by hanging, which was carried out 21 days later. A black preacher who had demanded their release and suggested that the sexual liaison might have been consensual Mm. was beaten severely by a white mob, and they had to hold him in the jail for his own protection. Yeah. Uh, In the murder case, a black man named Rob Edwards was arrested, but he would never see trial. As was Southern custom, a white mob came to the jail, abducted him, and beat and shot him to death before hanging him from a tree near City Hall. Several more black youths were tried and sentenced to death by hanging for the crime as well, and I'm sure you can imagine none of them saw a super fair trial by a jury of their peers, uh, as was common again at the time. Mm. Now, we owe a debt to late 19th and early 20th century black investigative journalist Ida B. Wells, whose work showed that lynchings rarely had to do with actual crimes. Often, they were actually economic retaliation. A real quick way to get rid of a black guy with a competitive business was to say he sexually assaulted a white woman. Yeah, sure. A mob would take care of him real fast. Um, And she also found that often so-called rapes perpetrated by black men were consensual relationships, but in a country with lots of anti-miscegenation laws on the books and in an area particularly hostile to the idea of a white woman uh, consenting to be with a black man, Mm. if a mixed-raced pair were caught hooking up, he wasn't going to get a chance to explain himself. Uh He was just going to get strung up for it. Mm -hmm. So it's likely that lots of black men were punished for these crimes who had little to nothing to do with them, but we'll never know because their trials were a sham. Um, And the terribleness didn't end there. The whites took it upon themselves to form vigilante gangs they called Night Riders, because that's super cool. Um, And they made it their job to terrorize the black residents of Forsyth County. And within months, 98% of the black population had fled the area for neighboring counties in fear for their lives. And those that stayed... Well, their legacy is at the bottom of Lake Lanier. Mm. Some 250 families were displaced by the construction of the reservoir and their homes and communities were just like completely lost to the water. Um, And that doesn't even account for all the like indigenous artifacts and graves and things like that that are likely down there somewhere as well, because that's who lived there before all of these people came in. Yeah, communities, entire communities, entire family lines, entire... Just completely wiped out with no effort made to try to preserve any of this. Just like, Mm. meh, sink it. It's fine. Uh, But the horrors also don't end there. Uh, When they built Lake Lanier, they never intended for it to be a recreational area. It's just a reservoir. It's supplying water to people. It's providing power to people. Like That was the whole point. Uh, But eventually they allowed recreational activity here. And once it became used more and more for that purpose, it began to amass an impressive body count. In the years since it was completed, 675 people are estimated to have died there, including one just last week, a 19-year-old boy who dove off a pontoon boat and never resurfaced. 
And this happened the same day a boat fucking exploded on the lake, wounding several people. Like, just a bizarre amount of weird shit like that happens on that lake all the time. Um, I mean, the lake itself is murky and unpredictable. It's said that Mm. you might step from what is knee-high water and suddenly find yourself over a 30-foot drop. Uh, there's a ton of like wreckage under the water from remnants of the place that they flooded out to create it to sunken boats from years of accidents, all kinds Jesus. of stuff down there. And because of dress. Yeah, go ahead. Is, are there ever attempts made for kind of salvage or for. Uh... Not necessarily salvage, but there are divers that go down there and you can actually look on YouTube Ex- and find yeah. footage of underwater what's... expeditions just for historical yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. Interest. And. I think it's hard to preserve anything and it's so deep at some points and like it's really hard to go down there and find anything that would you could sort of resurface and that you could see Mm. like I said it's extremely murky if you look up these videos on YouTube like the visibility is ridiculous it's just green and like you can't Mm. you can't see very far at all but you can see a lot of just random junk Mm. down there all kinds of random stuff um and and because of drought in recent years has been like drought over the past decade, the water level is constantly lowering. So it's revealing more and more hazards underneath that will then like run boats aground and entangle swimmers and all kinds of stuff. If there's going to be area. a haunted lake anyway, it's there. It's absolutely this one. Like it's just bad vibes all the way through. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, on top of all this, there are reportedly catfish the size of Volkswagens down there. Can you imagine? I can. This actually, this came up when I was in um, West Virginia last week, too, because they said the same thing about the rivers that uh, that run by there. Two rivers sort of intersect right there. Um, and they were they were saying that like when divers were retrieving bodies after the Silver Bridge collapse in, collapse in 1967, mm. uh, they started refusing to go back down into the water because of the giant catfish. <laughs> they were like, these are terrifying. Like imagine you're going down there trying to like grab bodies and whatnot and then a car-sized catfish. <laughs> just like brushes up against you big no thanks divers have also reported finding actual body parts underwater there uh a diver named buck buchanan said in 2017 uh quote you reach out into the dark and you feel an arm or a leg and it doesn't move who's who knows wow who knows who that So on uh, top of the ghosts of so many dead and displaced, there is most notably one haunting reported time. Just briefly, if I was going to make up an American sounding name, it would probably be Buck Buchanan. I know, right? Probably. (laughs) uh, Buck Buchanan. Yeah. That's his name. That's the character's name. (laughs) Yeah. You you can't write this. You can't make it up. That is legitimately this guy's name. Uh, Yeah. But in April of 1958, a car carrying two women careened into the lake. The women were Delia Parker Young and Susie Roberts. Okay. Delia had borrowed a blue dress for the night out, and according to the Gainesville Times, uh, quote, they were traced from the Three Gables to a gas station nearby where they left without paying. There were skid marks along the road near the bridge, and it looked as though the car had crossed the center line and went off the side of the road. So probably some shenanigans here, maybe some drunk driving, things like that. Like two girls just like... Going to a yeah, gas yeah, station, yeah. filling up, ditching, driving off the road. Pounding yeah. some claws. Pounding some claws. Some white claw, breaking <laughs> the law. 
uh, and they <laughs> go careening off of this bridge. But they disappeared. Like, they, they could see the tracks or whatever, but they didn't see, like, they didn't find a car or mm. anything like that or bodies until 18 months later when a body washed up missing two toes on her left foot and with no hands. Yes. Now, supposedly... People had been reporting seeing a woman walking along the bridge who would have like no hands or no arms and wearing yeah. blue, looking like she was trying to find her lost hands. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and in November of 1990, construction on the bridge led to the discovery of a blue 1950s Ford sedan with a body inside with remnants of a sweater and a slip nearby. And she was eventually ID'd as Susie Roberts, the other person in this car. But for years and even to this day, people report that woman walking along the Dawsonville Highway Bridge in her blue dress looking for her hands. And Wonderful. what do you think? I just want you to take a stab at it. What do you think they call the ghost of old Delia? Uh, fucking spooky blue Mrs. No Hands. <laughs> you overthought it. It's okay. exactly what you'd expect it to be. They call her the Lady of the Lake. Oh, come on. Hacks. That is some <laughs> hack shit. Spooky blue Mrs. No Hands. That's what <laughs> I demand she be renamed. Spooky blue Mrs. No Hands. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and that is the terrible story. Of I love Lake it. I love it. I, obviously, I hate it. I, I, I hate all of it, but right. beautifully brought to life. And, <laughs> you know, I, I learned some shit about the fucking American Civil War. Let me just whoosh, go off on a little tangent here because I've got a, Do, I've, please. I have a question that I've been meaning to ask you for weeks, but I've always forgotten until this moment. Ooh, okay. Uh, so the conversation in the UK currently uh there's uh, there's long been a conversation around um, Scottish independence from the UK, right? Right, yes. And the conversation around Welsh independence is gaining volume and seems sure. to be gaining traction. Uh, you know, Scotland has, rightly so in my opinion, a big axe to grind with the way that they were dragged out of the European Union by the South. Um, right. Could a state in the US decide they wanted out of the United States and to set up as an independent nation. No, absolutely okay. not. All that's right. what the, I mean, that's literally what the Civil War was about. It's exactly that. So, you know, it's secession. It's leaving the United States to form your own thing. But there are constantly talks of this. For example, there's an entire region mm. in the Pacific Northwest that is known as Cascadia. Right. Um, and they often talk about seceding from the United States to create their own little weird utopia or whatever <laughs> that mm. they that would not be subject to our laws and rules and things like that um but yeah if anyone actually attempted to secede that's a thing we'll we'll, we'll go to war over right. it um, so if... and there's no, no way that a state is going to be able to beat an entire u.s military in a war because this seems fucked so if hawaii for example <laughs> right we're like do you know what no we Boy, that's want quite an example is it? I don't know. I'm I'm, put, I'm really put. But because Hawaii was is the last state. Yes. Second to last state. 
Right. And, and the whole thing is that they should be sovereign because they ah. absolutely had it stolen from them. They had right. their own monarchy. And, you know, basically it was, yes, they did. Um, so if they know, decided things... we don't want to be part of the United States anymore, we want out, that would result in conflict, in armed conflict. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's really, unle- you know, I mean, we don't even wow. let, like... <laughs> Like, we don't let places that technically, like, Puerto Rico, for example, is our territory, um, and they have voted to become a state so that they can actually, like, be a part of our political system and not just be subject to us, and Mm. we don't even let them in, right? Mm. Washington, D.C. doesn't have representation in mm. our Congress, right? <laughs> like, that we are terrible with this stuff. We don't want anybody leaving whatever, and we will, you know, exert whatever force is necessary. So as much as many places talk about, you know, trying to secede from here, how is any small part of the United States going to go up against the U.S. military? Because, I mean, uh, half of that answer was what I was expecting, and the other half is, why would we not? <laughs> I mean, I was expecting it to be, nah, sorry, something, something, constitution, something, something, mm-hmm. bill of rights, whatever the fuck that is. Um, but the other half, and if they decided they wanted to and decided to unilaterally secede and become sovereign, we would simply invade them. Uh, yeah. That I did not expect. <laughs> Didn't see that part coming, huh? No. Yeah, that's legitimately, I mean, what happened in the Civil War. And then after that, you know, they suffered the repercussions of losing a war, just like any foreign government would right like so they had to like pay back the Mm. united states for war debt and you know all this (laughs) stuff like that even though they were technically part of the united states again that was the like whole point um which has bred a lot of resentment out of the the south as well uh but you know it's it's treated as it's a hostile government hostile illegitimate government and thus they will be be crushed as a result. So yeah, is, no, it's uh, so further to that. Then is is the USA currently actively looking for more states? Is it looking to recruit more no. states? No, no, it's done. No, because also the thing about the United States you have to realize is that we don't like to think of ourselves as imperialists. Mm. We uh, and it makes it very entertaining when you look back historically at things like, for example, the Spanish American War. Right. After the Spanish American War. Uh, we got various territories. Um, we Cuba was a p- protectorate of ours. We got the Philippines. We got Guam. Um, you know, a few places after this. And the way that the president, like, justified this because we didn't like to think about ourselves as imperialists was, like, it's actually, like, our duty. And we, like, owe it to the people of the Philippines. Like, it's our Christian duty yeah, to yeah, take yeah. them on. Like, what are we supposed to do? Let them run themselves? Yeah. They, they couldn't possibly give them to another group. Like, are we going to let France or Germany have them? We, yeah. we can't do that. You know, like, they're actually already ours. They just it... don't know it yet. <laughs> it was, like, really, like, you know, we must search our ourselves and realize like it's the best thing for the philippines to like belong to us so we will begrudgingly Mm. take on this territory even though we don't want it so like the idea of actively now like trying to go and get more territories more states things like that would be a lot of cognitive dissonance in the way that we think about ourselves as a country because we see ourselves as not doing that. We just kind of ignore mm. that, like, we actually do have several territories. We just don't talk about it. You know, people think Puerto Rico is another country instead mm. of realizing, no, that's us. That's us. And yet, as you said, you don't even <laughs> let those guys in. Right, exactly. They have no power here. They just belong to us. 
You're it's doing like America economic to investment. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We yeah. are doing America to Puerto Rico. Good times. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. Anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's mm-hmm. cold so... outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Well, I think we're already in, aren't we? You know, I mean, we're very much in classic Jack of all Graves territory here. Welcome, everyone, uh, to just another banger i mean we stand on a fucking ever spinning globe uh and the only thing that's certain is that nothing is forever thing everything is transient life empire land family everything ends everything changes and we are right here at the crucible of it all wondering what the fuck man you're getting more and more intense every week i'm Um, coming to believe that that's our job cory rather than just 30 odd weeks ago we were just ah let's talk about some dark shit more and more i think our raison d'etre is (laughs) to chronicle the fucking ever shifting sands of society humanity and the destination who knows but the journey fuck someone needs to be talking about this shit and that's where that's where we come in i'm not opposed to that mission i, I feel really good about that mm. it, it uh imbues this show with a level of importance that i had previously not considered well this occurred to me uh this week right i mean whether we have a fucking million listeners or one right right uh and this half-formed nebulous train of thought is going out to my good friend Dr. Kerry Thomas. We are part of the fucking digital document here. We're part, whether we fucking uh, intentionally or not, we are part of the digital history now. We're part yeah. of the fucking, the, the you know, the, the data banks, the record, the archive. Uh, and I'm very, very into that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because Carrie, obviously, she's working on um, on a paper recently, an article mm. that she was doing, and she actually referenced Jack of all Graves, referenced Mark um, in it. Mm. Uh, and I do think that that's kind of, it's a fascinating thing to think about. And, and, and you know, not just us. I, it's it's tempting to to kind of write off what we're doing as just being part of the fucking static, you know what I mean? Part of the background noise, part of the fucking incessant, like when Superman stands above Earth and tries to tune out all the fucking voices. It's right. it's, it's tempting to kind of get disheartened because are we just, do we just blend into the chat? But right. but even that, that in itself is worth something to me. Blending yeah. in, being part of the conversation. Right. 
being a yeah part of this chorus of, of things and specifically anxieties and whatnot that are happening at this time. Yeah, what I was yes. saying before I cut out there was that I love the idea of like the excavation of this at a later date. This idea yes. of like people, you know, I mean, this is what academics do. This is what Carrie does. This is what I've done. Things like this is is mm-hmm. to look back at something and try to get a sense of like yes. what were people thinking, what were people feeling, yeah. and I think that is absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what Jack of all graves does. Is it's a record of what are the anxieties of our day and our age and the things that people have talked about with us on our Facebook yep. and Twitter and whatnot are just the the echoes of what we're all thinking about right now. It's, and it's pretty yeah, it's, cool to be part of that. It's a message in a bottle, I think, Corrigan. It is, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just hope that there's someone out there in the future to read it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah someday I hope that... It becomes a part, something that someone discovers many, many years in the future and feels a little bit of a sense of what <laughs> things were like for us. Or they'll just be like, and anxiety disorders were common and these people clearly had them. <laughs> and I hope if somebody does open this particular message in a bottle, it's they don't just hear one of the episodes of me doing Al Buterol for 20 fucking minutes. Go, <laughs> well, we can safely disregard this particular part of the conversation. <laughs> These... We'll learn nothing from this. <laughs> These this two have nothing, nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, welcome. We are, uh, yeah, I guess burdened with the great responsibility of this archive now. But we're yeah. happy to have you on this thirty eighth week of that voyage. Did you just say thirty eighth week? Yeah. Am I wrong? Is that that's right? A... Oh, like I know. Okay. You could you could say anything. No, but that is that's yes. that's quietly incredible to me. Thirty eight weeks of quietly archiving uh, humanity's downfall. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, this week, our 38th week, we had our fifth, sixth, fifth watch along? Uh, let me see if I can remember them all. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead 2. Um... You know, um, a, a listener... Who also oh, listens to Dead and Lovely, yes. who is just absolutely wonderful. John Latour actually yes. made a list on Letterboxd. You can follow his list of our Joag watchalongs. Wonderful. Because um, we may not know how far mm. into these these are, but John knows. Yeah. Uh, and we are eternally thankful for that. So thank you so much, John. That was yeah. so nice to see. Stunning. I get such a warm feeling when people independently engage with what we do here in in, yeah. in a in, in some kind of creative way like John has done there. Um it feels fantastic. It really does. Yeah. Which also, you know, the next task is that um Mark wants his own personal theme song. So <laughs> Anyone who wants to create a theme song yeah. for Mark specifically. Um I already offered up the crossfire theme. Uh Mark if, Lewis. If, if, if anyone cares caught up in the <laughs> you will Mark Lewis <laughs> if anyone cares we were continuing before we hit record on this episode the, the conversation we had from last week about uh, metal theme songs to horror mm-hmm. movies and I remembered that Hellraiser 3 ends with a song called Hellraiser by Lemmy I don't know if it's Motorhead or just Lemmy on his own but Hellraiser 3 ends with Lemmy Hellraiser and it's a really again it's a wicked tune um Corey then uh, apparently that those that note sequence is the same as the crossfire 
advert for the fucking game of Crossfire. You remember the ball bearings of the gun? Crossfire! I then, I want I want my own theme tune, something I can walk out to at WrestleMania. Ooh, um, yeah, there you go. So, do that for me, please, someone. <laughs> <laughs> Just a really small ask. Someone create could. a WrestleMania walkout Write, theme for Mark. record and produce and give me my own theme tune. I would be delighted. When I was I mean, um, in... When I was in high school, like we went through a, a phase on my softball team where we were like really into having walkout music just for fun. Like we we're just yeah, being yeah, stupid. Yeah. Like let's yeah. all have uh, walkout music. Um, but they, you know, with a name like Corrigan, people make up like stupid nicknames for you with things it sounds like. And so this was like a convoluted joke where it went from people calling me a corrugated tin roof to just tin roof, which then bears no resemblance to my name at all. Uh, okay. It's what my sweatshirt said. But thus, my walkout music was B-52s. You know, your tin roof. Russ, love shack. Oh, is that what she says? Shack. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. me, I've learned a lot this week so far. <laughs> it's a really educational episode of Joe Ag. Yeah. For you specifically. For me, just for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Anyways. Matthew Lillard whatnot. didn't turn up. We we invited him, but Matthew Lillard oh, didn't yeah, turn up. that's right. Um, yeah. We don't hold it against you, Matthew. We love you anyway. No, I'm going to meet um, him in October, so it's You fine. sure are. And, uh, I'm so excited. And Skeetle Rich. Mm. <laughs> That's a weird way of saying it. I You can't say that name normally. Skeet. Skeet. I have no problem saying it normally. Skeet. <laughs> no. the strangest name. Nobody. I wish he wouldn't. He's the only skeet. <laughs> He's the only skeet I've ever seen. I don't know any other skeets. There's also another actor that I really love whose name is Scoot. Scoot McNary. Okay. Adore him. So I'm a big fan of the skeets and the scoots. I don't know another skeet. Is there another skeet? I don't know. Are you so. called skeet? If so, get in touch with Jack Walgrave. <laughs> Please, let us know. We'd love to hear all about it. Uh, what was my point? And yeah, 13 Ghosts. 13 Ghosts was... Uh, I, I couldn't call it a good film. But it, there was, there was, there's a lot to enjoy within it. Exactly. Some... It's an enjoyable film, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some very, very creative uh, creature design. Some lovely makeup. Uh, just a you know, so everyone performance-wise was giving it all they they had. Nobody half-assed it. It felt like on right. camera, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's very much of its time. You it's, took the yeah. you took the words right out of my mouth. It is very much of its time. Is that an actual song, or did you just feel like singing that? That's meatloaf. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah. Little Mr. Loaf. Um. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Loaf. I can imagine. <laughs> yes, while I don't think it would trouble any legitimate award panels, I could certainly imagine Thirteen Ghosts cleaning up at that year's MTV Movie Awards, as I said at the time. Yeah, I actually would be very curious to. I didn't like look into that any further, but I wonder if it was recognized um, mm. for anything. But you know, I already talked a few weeks ago about how much I enjoyed this movie, and that's how it ended up on our poll in the first place. But as always, I mean, the conversation was great. It felt like everybody had like a fun time with the movie. We just oh, it's had always a great fun. time. It, it's always always it. always fun when people show up and, and and we do these watch-alongs. I fucking love them. I yeah, I enjoy watching movies like that with a dialogue on the screen in front of me, I've, I've realized because with 13 ghosts, it was the first time I'd seen that movie. So I was more focused on the film than I have been in previous watch alongs. Yeah. Yeah. You were a little ones, quieter than usual. 
Yeah, because I was into the film, but it, it's still great to be able to. <laughs> somebody's always saying something funny. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really, really good time. Yeah, so thanks so much to everyone who came out. We'll work on uh, picking a theme for the next one. Although, also, because I really want to watch Ghost Ship, someone recommended, I believe it was Steve who recommended, next theme is uh, Corey wants to watch fucking Ghost Ship. So... <laughs> I have lots. I have Joag watch-along themes coming I'm out sure my ass, right? Yeah. I've got so many themes. Wasn't it, like, isn't this the thing, though, that I get to choose the next one, though, because you, like, unilaterally made a decision <laughs> this time around? Well, I believe okay. we came to that conclusion last time. Uh, Just briefly. We can, we can uh, discuss. So uh, 13 Ghosts was nominated for Best Horror Film uh, for, uh, in the Saturn Awards, which are hosted by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Films. Oh, okay. Nice. It was. Uh, it won a Fangoria <laughs> Chainsaw Award for Best Makeup and Creature FX. Nice. And it was a, oh, dear me, also at the Fangori Awards in 2002, it was a nominee for Worst Film, which it did not win. <gasps> wow. What one, does it say? Uh, I shall come back to you on that. Okay, because now I'm very curious as to mm-hmm. as to what uh, upstaged 13 Ghosts is the worst film. Uh, I can't imagine it was anywhere near the worst horror ah, film of no, that no, year no, no. like it's just it's enjoyable it's got a fun script it's got weird jurassic parkiness to it it's like it's just silly and also you know with great effects and murder in it so yeah that just uh, the seems worst unfair. film the worst film was a piece called valentine which i don't <laughs> know okay yeah no that definitely was way worse than 13 oh, yeah? ghosts uh yeah but it has aj from uh empire records in it so there is that and which was Boreana's like why all of us it. watched it yeah we all watched it for aj and then it was like what did i just watch but i believe my friend alex actually still really loves that movie i'm doing a rewatch anyways yeah so thanks for that that was really really fun we watched some other things uh this week together we watched a movie called an army of oh. one army of one army was that of what one. it was called it was called army, army of one of one um, uh, which was absurd it was an absolutely uh, absurd film uh you were harsher on it on letterboxd than i was <laughs> because what did i say on my okay let me let me just read what i wrote about this on letterboxd because i feel like i summarized it in the moment in exactly the way that makes sense okay this movie makes zero sense nonsense plot nonsense character decisions People's tattoos are literally drawn on in Sharpie and there's wild continuity errors like someone getting shot several times in the shoulder and seconds later clutching their wounded leg while their shirt is pristine. That was fantastic. Just... <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> the just... sheriff in the woods. <laughs> and they just left him there and like forgot about him and then he just shows up later. Uh, um, just goofy film school shit through and through. That said... It's honestly not unwatchable, especially with some good company to laugh along at the absurdity. I don't recommend it, but I also no. don't caution against it. Uh, yeah, that's that's beautifully put. That is succinctly put. It, it was only fun because I, I was able to chat shit with it to you at the time. Right. On, yeah. or, I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it through that film were I watching it of my own volition. Yeah, I absolutely would have stopped that 10 minutes in. Or even worse, do you know what? I just would have watched it over the screen of my phone and not even right. took any of it in. At least I was exactly. able to, to get some of the absurdity from it. And 
you know, as I said on Letterboxd, which is a, an, an observation that we made at the time, it genuinely feels as though there was no screenplay in place. There was no idea in place of where the film was going. It feels like <laughs> a bunch of fucking friends turned up on a, at a place with some cameras and improvised a movie based on what they had lying around in yeah, on, on the exactly. set, you know? Yeah. And they but, just wanted to show off, like, this woman is very badass. Like, can we, can we make a movie yeah. around... Yeah this woman just kicking a bunch of people's asses. Um, And that's essentially what you get. There's nothing more coherent to it than that. No. So what else did we watch? Uh, Apart from... Hey, we watched two movies with the title Army of... Yes, indeed. Because Army of the Dead also came out this week. Uh, Once again, low expectations saved the day. I went in expecting... (laughs) uh, Right before the cast, right? I was going back and forth with Dan on text about Army of the Dead. Uh, and let's not forget here, right? Because I won't forget and I won't forgive. Oh, let's my. not fucking forget any of us here that Zack Snyder took took Batman versus Superman, right? And made it fucking boring. How, yeah. how do you do that? <laughs> how is that possible, Right. He took it's a skill. The, it's a really special skill. Fucking, he took the one fucking film that everybody had wanted to see since forever, since they were kids. He took that fucking, oh my God, they're doing it. They're doing Batman versus Superman. Holy fuck. This is a sure bet. Nothing will be as fucking good as this movie could be. It's Batman and Superman and they're going to fight and it's going to be fucking cock-punchingly incredible. <laughs> <laughs> until Zack Snyder came along and made it a dirge, a fucking slog, hard work. So yeah. I went in with low expectations. Yeah. And I was duly rewarded because it's a good laugh. Yeah, you know, I thought it was fine. I wasn't, mm-hmm. like, engaged with it in any particular way. I, like, got up and, like, made myself dinner and whatnot while it was on and things like mm. that because I was like, meh, it's fine. You know, but I also, like, as opposed to watching... um what was the one justice league the the snyder cut of that where i was just like i hate my life while i'm watching this entire thing like it wasn't like that i was just like i'm not attached to anyone not super attached to the story yeah but it's fine uh the more i think about it the more that the bits i enjoyed weren't really anything to do with the direction i mean i could watch batista (laughs) for fucking days i love him he's amazing exactly yeah you can't go wrong with batista he's there's something really just so, and this sounds ridiculous, right? But there's something really cute about him. No, totally. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. He's I, this gigantic, like it's... fucking lumpy, yeah. ugly looking guy. But right. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Is, adorable. It... He's yeah. there, he's endearing. He's got. I feel like, you know, there's an intentionality to that, like with how he often wears glasses yes. in things, which, you know, adds this layer of like nerdiness to him. Yes. yes. Where you would normally see like just giant meathead. Uh, you get this like a vulnerability, right? Not yep. being able to see. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you, you add this layer to him yep. that somehow makes him more appealing. Uh, yeah, the cast and the performances are great. I, do you know what? I had no idea until this weekend, after seeing the film, that Tig was fucking green screened in. I had no. Oh, you didn't know that? I had no idea. They did and, a really good job with that. Well, enough said. You know what I mean? It was perfectly seamless. Yeah, if you seamless. didn't know. <laughs> it was perfectly seamless. I had no yeah. clue. Yeah. And I was looking for it even because I did know ahead of time. Right. And I'm, I, it's still, it, 
she blended seamlessly into that movie. Mm. And I think, you know, my thing with Zack Snyder is that I don't enjoy watching his films um, (laughs) and his fans are terrible. But I genuinely think he seems like a very good guy and that that's Mm. probably part of why, you know, aside from like nepotism and Hollywood rewarding mediocre white men, I think the fact that it seems that like he's people like working with him and he like seems like a good person is part of why he gets so many chances as well. And like the TIG thing, Mm. the TIG thing to me is part of that. Like he saw, oh, this person on my film uh, is terrible. Yep. Let's remove him. Let's, uh, you know, replace him with someone, a beloved figure that nobody would have thought to put in this either. You know, like at a gigantic cost. Yeah, at huge cost, extremely expensive to do this process. And that was like a no brainer for him to like, okay, Mm. how do we get rid of this? How do we get rid of Crystalia? We're going to do this. And I, you know, I give him props for that as much as I don't enjoy watching his movies. Like, yep. I give him props. Um, I, he gained a lot of cool points with me for actually speaking out against his fucking shitbag fan base. Exactly. Like, that's no small thing to be able to actually Mm. go, like, you know, up against the people who are the reason. Like, that Snyder Cut would never have been released if it weren't for them. And he still had the guts to come out and say, like, but I do not endorse yep. these people. And I think they're being terrible. You know? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I've got here's an opinion, right? If you want one. Would you like an opinion? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Let's do an opinion. Let's hear All it. All right. I've got one here. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that they are wildly different as filmmakers, right? And that their body of work is could not be more uh you know different in terms of tone i believe that Zack snyder is uh subject to the same problems with his work that christopher nolan is subject to okay tell me about Um, it i think back to memento right Mm -hmm. which still for me is the is my favorite of christopher nolan's films Mm -hmm. uh when he was an unproven quantity very early in his career and it is surprising and it is brave and it is innovative and it is engaging and it is just a fucking work of absolute art memento it's beautiful um left to his own hubris (laughs) and with you know unlimited budget and full creative freedom and you know a lot of smoke blown up his ass what do you get you get interstellar you get tenet for fuck's sake horrible overblown shit same goes with Zack Snyder early days yeah what do you got you got Dawn of the Dead yeah which is I don't I don't think I don't I know anyone who doesn't love Dawn of the Dead that opening sequence the entire fucking film a conversation the other day of people talking about how terrible that was but I felt like I was like looking at a space alien conversation because I feel like most Mm. people I know do love that movie yeah it it, yeah it it often gets brought up as as one of the ones people love early in his career Starting out, proving himself, you know, finding his bag of tricks. Everyone loves it. Of yeah. course, remove <laughs> the checks and balances and right. you get Zack Snyder's Justice League. When yeah. they are reined in, when they are stripped back, they are both very, very watchable. Very, very, very... They, they have something to say. They have something to add. Yeah. But unfortunately, they've become a product of, of the system that made them what they are. That's a really good point. I agree with your opinion. There you go. Tune in next week for more opinions. 
<laughs> For the first time, we've had an opinion on Jack of All Graves. It's a milestone. <laughs> it's a little feature we're trying out this week yeah, called Opinions gonna, on we're Films. We're going to give it a go. Give us your feedback. What do you think of Opinions Yeah, should we do on more Joe of this? Yeah. yeah, love to hear what you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, so somehow... <clears throat> opinions. <laughs> You'll get caught up in the... <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, The Descent for the first time this oh, week. Yeah. Um, and here's, it's weird that I'd never seen this, but the reason makes perfect sense, given it's me. It came out at the same time that, like, torture porn was a huge Whoa. thing. And I hate torture porn. And, and that shout is out to... Not, that is not a genre we're going to be covering on the watch along, by the way. We're not going no, to be fucking... No, that's never going to be a thing that we, no, we do ever. No, sir. Um, and shout out to Dead and Lovely because when they talked about Saw 2, they did a really good job of actually explaining, like, the, really putting words to why I don't like it in ways that I've never been able to really um, figure out for myself. So I'm not going to rehash that, but go check out their yeah, episode about Saw 2 and it, they really go into why... Very nice. uh, yeah, I just don't enjoy it at all. But so when The Descent came out and people were talking about it, like mm. people who weren't horror fans and whatnot were going to see this. And they were talking about how gory it was and like all this kind of stuff. And so I had this like sense that I was like, oh, this is going to be like torture porn. And I'm really not interested in watching torture mm. porn. And so then like a few weeks ago, people were talking about The Descent on something. And I was like, ah, maybe I should... Maybe I should watch it. My husband likes it. He owns on DVD The Descent and The Descent 2. Like, you know, it, it, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a go and I'll mm. just like cover my eyes if I need to, whatever. Um, and then I watched it and it is not torture porn at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. No, certainly not. <laughs> in the slightest. It's, you know, it's it's got gore and violence and things like that in it, but that's not what the movie is. And it was really enjoyable. I'm thinking I mean, of the I right... This... Cave Goblins, oh, isn't it? Is that yeah, one? Cave, Cave Goblins. goblins. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, That's yeah. the one. The script is very thin. The characters are very thin. Um, you know, it's could be better along those lines. But mm. in terms of just like a movie that gets your sense of dread up yep. um, and that delivers on some very like genuinely scary moments and that feeling of claustrophobia. Oh, there is some terrific scares. In a great way. I mean, obviously, the whole thing is very dark, mm. uh, which adds to why it's so terrifying like you can't you can't really see what's going on in here and there's yeah there's like a point of i'm not you know i'm not going to try to describe the scene because every time i try to describe something it's just a ramble rambling nonsense <laughs> but anyways yes there's some very good scares in it um that yeah i just really i thought it was a, a good use of my hour and a half or whatever and was like ah well, this yeah, is, this if I had a, seen this, I would have loved it. <laughs> this is a timely discussion. I mean, just the other day, I was texting back and forth with my brother and, and his... I'm paraphrasing, oh, but right. I believe he said something about not being able to understand how Neil Marshall keeps getting paid work, right? Not my words. Yeah. Alan's words. Not my words. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I absolutely got a bad for Neil Marshall. The Descent... Because you, like, you liked the Hellboy remake, didn't you? Yes, I fucking did. I don't understand that. <laughs> there was nothing. The Hellboy, the reboot of Hellboy was fan. Was it fantastic? Right, think now, Mark, before yeah, like, you let okay, your mouth yeah, run. Yeah, let's not. Think it over. Nope. In getting no. defensive, let's make sure you evaluate right. this. This is my considered opinion, right? Okay. The okay, remake of Hellboy was a very, very fun film. The monsters were fantastic, right? It was sure, a very fun okay. film, right? And it spoke to the 15-year-old me who's got 
you know, pull-outs from Kerrang blue tacked up on his bedroom wall right. and who listens to Pantera. It was a great... <laughs> it, it spoke to that fucking guy in me, right? The monsters were terrific. The soundtrack was banging. David Harbour was great. Again, the monsters, the creature design was fantastic. Baba Yaga was brilliant. Those giants were great. Uh, and what the fuck do you want? It's... It's story to make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I think I think the Illuminati might have been in there. Ooh, Rasputin yeah, was Rasputin maybe. in there? Maybe this is legitimately. I this is the first movie I have left before the end since Open Water. I was like, you oh, know, really? I looked at my thing and I was like, I'm, you know, an hour and twenty minutes or whatever into this, and I have no attachment, and I've hated every moment I've been here. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go. <laughs> I just, Look, I I like Ron Perlman as much as the next guy, right? I can watch Big yeah, Ron yeah. for fucking hours. He's great. But I can also... I mean, and you know I love David Harbour to the core of my soul. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> there was... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, do I actually want to say this? But I think the Neil Marshall Hellboy was way more... Was way closer to the Hellboy of the page okay. than I think Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy was. It was full of action and life and blood and metal. And mm -hmm. that's Hellboy to me. From a stylistic perspective, I think I can't argue with anything that you've said. I think you're absolutely right. The monsters look great. The, it's very yep. metal. Like the whole thing tonally absolutely <laughs> yeah. works. And I love David Harbour again. It was yeah. just that like the entire time I was like, I don't, I don't understand this. This is like six movies and I need him to pick one. I need one movie out of this and that's not working for me. Well, so... all you've just said was that that was a film that fucking swung for the fences that had big It ideas. did. <laughs> it absolutely did. And I won't fault at that. And, you know, I got to watch David Harbour workout videos for like a year before it came on. So <laughs> I am forever thankful for that. Hey, segue... It was only this week that I realized... Fuck's sake. You don't have no, this... to say segue. You can just segue. No, no, no. I, I, I like to signpost when there's a segue coming. See if you can spot the connective tissue between Hellboy and this segue, right? Uh, Robert England is in the new season of Stranger Things. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Fucking I forgot about yes. that. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I'm so stoked on this. I need... Stranger Things. I... I'm. I'm after the last season. I'm very, very open to having it back. Um, particularly if Robert England is in it, and I just yeah. hope it's more than a cameo. I hope it's something like what Matthew yeah, Modine was in the first season or Paul yeah. Reiser. I hope they. They. I hope they fucking yeah, they use... take advantage of him because mm -hmm. he's terrific. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, and I think. Honestly, I was thinking about this the other day too. That Robert England, you know, is so obviously iconic in one role. Mm. Um. And that I'm sure that's got to be a weird thing. Like, obviously, I'm sure he's extremely grateful. And he clearly loves playing Freddy. Like, this is not, yeah, like, a, yeah, yeah. an issue of a person who begrudgingly plays this. Because other people who have played these iconic characters have been like, all right, I passed my torch, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm done with this and things like yep. that. But he clearly loves this. He has a good time doing it. That said, he clearly is also an extremely capable actor. Um, and I would love to see more of him in things and i think that this like stranger things of all things gives the opportunity for it does, it does. wide audiences to yeah. go yeah. to talk about him as robert england from stranger things right just like with rudy <laughs> samwise gamgee what bob oh, what's <laughs> fucking you know? fucking 
Geese of Aston, Sean Aston. Yes, there you go. This is a terrible way of making Mr. my point. Yes, an awful way of making my point was to yeah. then forget his name <laughs> and refer to him as several iconic characters. But my point is, for a large group of people, he became Sean Aston from Stranger Things. And in fact, I remember mm. seeing there was like a trend about this on Twitter that it blew people's minds that like someone had posted like, whoa, I just realized that like Bob from Stranger Things was like in this movie and it was like Fantastic. or Lord of the Rings or something like that. And people were like, what? Mm, that's awesome. Like, imagine knowing him only as that. And that could be Robert England in Stranger Things if used correctly. Uh, what, uh, he always talks so eloquently and you know, in such an informed and affectionate and knowledgeable and seasoned way about other films on Twitter and other performances on Twitter. Yeah, Robert yeah. England is forever recommending films based on the quality of the performances in them and the quality of the yeah. direction. He's obviously a fucking, you know, uh, 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 an actor's actor and a cinephile in himself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one of my most favouritest uh, things that I remember about Robert England. So I met him at a con in Cardiff with with Alan, as you know. Yeah. And I read that that evening, right, the <laughs> evening after I met him, because he did two days of the oh, he did two days of the convention, Saturday and Sunday. On the Saturday night, right, Robert England was spotted in Cardiff in the queue at the View Cinema across the road from the convention center, right, queuing up to go to the cinema. Do you know what he was That's seeing? Amazing. What? Monsters University. Stop. Fucking I right. love that too yep. much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's that incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Just carry it up to I go see that. a fucking cartoon. Oh man. Workday's done. Gonna go see a film. <laughs> Monsters yeah. University. That sounds nice. Yep. He's gotta have seen Monsters Inc. a few times. You know, it's like, yep. yeah, I'd like to see how see where this franchise goes. That is wonderful. That is mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful. Also, I so think cool. sometime you should post that video of you meeting him because one of the great things about this and as someone who can't multitask i love this so much is mm. that the beginning of that video it looks like he is not listening to you at yes, all as does. you it ask does. him this like very detailed question yep. and then he he you know signs does his thing and then gives you like this very like thoughtful response yep. to what you were talking about and like really pays attention to you in the, yep. and gives you his full, you know, respect and attention through this that I think is really lovely. His line at that convention was always the longest and he took the fucking mm -hmm. time to chat and yeah. to engage with everyone who turned up to his table. I yeah. cannot speak highly enough of that guy. He's an absolute fucking gem of a man. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I love that. So yep. maybe at some point you can post that. But all that to say, yes, yeah, I'd love to. to Robert England in mm -hmm. Stranger Things. Should we, like, maybe talk about what we came here to talk about? Right, so we're at that point now, right? We're at that... <laughs> we're, at, we're at that point now. Do we keep it up our sleeve, sleeve for oh next Oh, my time? God. It's been an hour. Yes, it has. Holy shit, Mark. I know, mate. I know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Do we talk about it? Do we... I feel um, like we have to save it. What do we do? Well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just tease it a little, right? Okay. I mean, you long-term listeners, and Corey in particular, you will know that one of my preoccupations, one of the things that I love to just thought experiment my way around and to just kind of think on is the way that we humans as animals perceive the world, how the fuck does that, does that map to the experience of other members of the animal kingdom, other mammals, 
you know? Yeah. And you can't, I mean, the lengths at which a human being will go to to get fucked, right? To get high and to, to kind of, to change the way that they experience the world around them, whether it's through alcohol, whether it's through narcotics, whether, it, you know, self-induced altered states. Do animals do that? And they do. They really do. They really do. I'm not going to go into <laughs> the, the, the depth of this that we were planning on doing, right? But suffice to say, but I yeah, don't let's, know. Let's at least get, let's just get into it. Let's do it. Okay. Right. Look, <laughs> to talk about animals firstly, right? There are so many examples of animals and it's not. It, was this, was this idea spawned from the cicada butts? Is this where this came from? Where, where your mind started thinking about this? Because this week on in our uh, Jack of All Graves Facebook group, I posted yeah. an article about how a fungus full of psychedelic drugs could cause Indiana brood X cicadas butts to fall off. Um, oh and if you don't, again, this is probably just an American thing. Brood X is this particularly large brood of cicadas that's coming around. It comes around every 17 years that there's just a huge amount of these cicadas. Mm. Um, and these cicadas are afflicted uh, by a fungus that is laced with the same chemical as psychedelic mushrooms. They will invade mm. their bodies, eat away their insides until their abdomens crack, fall off, and get replaced with a ball of white spores. By the way, this nice. article in the South Bend Tribune is amazing. I love the way it's written. Um, because they're either bombed on psilocybin or under the control of the fungus in some other ways, the cicadas won't even notice. With missing butts and full hearts, they'll forge ahead with their only reason for Wonderful. existing, finding a mate, and reproducing. Wonderful. Of course, that last part will be impossible with their body half rotted away. Mm, but they don't let it yeah. stop them. That's incredible. Yeah, it's sexually transmitted, by the way, this fungus. Uh, they engage in normal courtship behavior, yet their abdomen is a big fungal mass. So mm. instead, the attempted copulation results of the spreading of this fungus even more. But there, there's, there are a lot of really, really kind of cute and fun examples of animals <laughs> intentionally uh, mm -hmm. inducing altered states. Oh, I and, love and, that. Yeah. and with psychoactives, not just with alcohol. I mean, there are loads of examples of elephants getting drunk and monkeys fucking breaking into camps and getting drunk. But dolphins, right? Dolphins mm. on many occasions have been observed carrying and passing puffer fish between yeah. the mouths of their <laughs> pod and just giving them a little squeeze not enough to release the fucking toxic murder dose right. of puffer fish toxin but just a little squeeze just to get a little fucking puffer fish buzz <laughs> and then they pass it on to somebody else in the pod and just uh, they're just puff puff passing puffer exactly fish, puffer fish pass exactly that and yeah, yeah I love I, that so I, which reminds I love me also of uh, uh, I know I've brought at least this documentary up before, but the, the cane toad documentary in Australia, mm. uh, to provide a human parallel, this reminds me also of uh, the people in Australia who, when the cane toad outbreak happened because of the short-sighted import of cane toads to get rid of the cane grubs in Australia, mm. uh, that amongst the things people were doing with them was that there were people who were... They secrete a toxin, and you yep. can get high off of it. So there were yep. people who were like ingesting smoking cane toad toxin yeah in order uh, to get high i don't know i don't know if i've made this up but i'm sure for a while there was quite a healthy black market trade in dried out cane toads and you could order them on the internet 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dried, desiccated crane, cane oh, toads. Um, uh, I only know about this because of Beavis and Butthead. You know what I mean? There was that fantastic <laughs> episode of Beavis where they were just licking toads. Um, yeah, the cane toad thing has a weird cultural footprint here in America because also the <laughs> Simpsons did a thing about that too. Like, I don't know why we became so obsessed with this. But it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Really I mean, uh, opiates are quite big in the animal kingdom. Uh, I, I didn't realize this, but in uh, Tasmania, right? The the in in Australia, Ta- Tasmania, you may or may not know, is the world's biggest grower of uh, poppies, heroin poppies, okay. for the yeah. legal pharmaceutical trade. Okay, not for the black market, not to make scag out of or anything. That they sold for legal scag. Skag, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what um, that is, but that's uh, <laughs> Kind of a colloquial, uh, UK colloquialism for heroin, street heroin. Smash. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And wallabies. <laughs> wallabies, <gasps> oh, mate. Wallabies. wallabies are famed for uh, breaking into Tasmanian poppy fields, uh, going nuts, eating eating the, the opiate-bearing poppy seeds. Stop. Uh, no, for real, and and found you know just kind of uh, in a in an opiate induced haze, just lying around in oh, the poppy fields. Um, my God, I love wallabies with all of my heart, and oh, they're great. Um, well, I'm I'm worried about them. That also is really cute. Yeah, and and <laughs> see, when my brother did heroin, he <laughs> just held up his favorite coffee shop with a syringe he said was full of AIDS. And became known as the syringe bandit around I, Western I, Massachusetts. Yeah, I do know it was this. not as cute as wallabies lying around uh, and just chilling on them. Um, by the way, this spawned copycats too because apparently it's not stupid enough that he did it. Other people read about the syringe bandit and were like, "Yeah, that seems like a good idea," and did the same fucking thing. Like, guys, didn't work well for him. Why? A, <laughs> why a coffee shop? Out. Why? Why? He was high. Yeah, because he was. Yeah, because he was. <laughs> like he went. Everyone knew him. They were like, Zach, buddy, you gotta, you gotta Zach? not do that. And he's like, AIDS just... and a <laughs> syringe. Ah. You're like, okay, homie. No. Oh, so... man, that is fucking mad. <laughs> bless, bless him. I love yeah. my brother. So do he's I. A, he's an idiot. Ah, really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, you know, it, it, it. If, if animals seek out altered states, mm-hmm. then I, I don't know. It, it, it makes me kind of think. Then that's that. Is there something universal there? Is there something shared mm. across mammals? Well, no, dolphins aren't mammals. Even, yes, yeah. they are. No, they are. They Wait, are. Dolphins no, they, are mammals. They are. Yes, they are. <laughs> Don't. We're not about to make an evens and odds no, mistake. No, 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 no. Dolphins are mammals. We know this. Dolphins Please, God, mammals. we know this. So, is it a mammalian instinct? Is it something you know in the fucking deep in the mammal brain to to kind of be drawn to experiment with altered states? Because whether it's a byproduct a of question. our of our sentience and our self awareness, man will go to fucking insane lengths. Call it addiction, call it what you will, but man will sure. go to some fucking bonkers lengths to, you know, obtain and maintain a, an altered state. Sure, yeah. This is I've never thought about this as a, a mammalian impulse or things like that, or what it would mean if it is. Mm. 
what does what does that mean? Because we tend to, I mean, we assign all kinds of judgments to it as a human thing and, and yeah. just not even like judgments, just moral or things like that. But just in terms of like why we do it, we often have this idea of like it has something to do with the human condition, of, of the need mm. that we have that is somehow unique or things like that. But if animals are doing the same thing. Animals are doing it and animals who aren't troubled with existential right. fucking worries. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Animals who aren't. Ah. Yeah, they don't have a mortgage. They just like getting no, high. They just like getting high. So is it is it time to reframe what that means? If it's if it's a mammalian instinct, and with the cursory bit of research I've done on this, I'm confident in declaring it to be so. Uh, you know, I'm not goofing off and getting high. I'm indulging my mammalian instincts. <laughs> It's biology. That's what I'm going to say every time I get really drunk. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, indulging yeah. my mammalian instincts. Leave me alone. <laughs> Look, what other explanation can there be for crocodile? Crocodile, oh. the Russian Cro- desomorphine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember that when that was going around as a thing. Because it had like gnarly effects, right? Yes, it did. Uh early noughties 2000 up until kind of 2011 2012 in russia uh with you know heroin being harder and harder to to come by in russia in the early noughties addicts in their droves turned to desomorphine um synthesized very crudely from codeine which until 2011 2012 was available over the counter in russia you could simply walk in to the drug ski store. Uh, get, and get yourself a little codeine. Buy fucking codeine, which you could then synthesize with any kind of alkaline and with phosphorus, mm-hmm. which you'd get from a fucking match head. Okay, because I was like, I don't, I personally would not know where to get that from, but you know, okay. It's match the stuff head, which it. makes matches fucking light. And anyone sure. with no scientific training could knock up a batch of desomorphine, a crude ass batch of desomorphine in about 40 minutes, right? However, the Russian desomorphine enthusiast isn't necessarily worried about purification, clean conditions, or, right. you know, stripping out uh, <clears throat> some of the harsher adulterants, which leads to, and look, if you're listening to Jack of All Graves, you will have heard about Crocodile, you know? Um, <laughs> Probably, yeah. The, the, when addicted to Crocodile, the, the, the Russian addict lifespan tends to be around two years. Jesus um, Christ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there are there, there are lots of theories about why it's called what why people call it crocodile. One of those being that um, the injection sites are very, very quickly infected. Uh, skin becomes gangrenous, becomes scaly, becomes ulcerated, drops off the bone, necrotic. You know. Oh, so but gross. my point is, the mammalian instinct is so strong people pursue it people will continue to do it yeah and this is always like it's such a wild thing to me with things like this you know i've i've asked you before about you know why you would do certain drugs or things like that you know and and your your usual go-to explanation is like that ringing every experience out of life right every feeling that you could possibly get out of life yes at the same time when i look at things like that or like meth or things like that i you know Mm. i see 
it, what horrific things happen to people. And I cannot imagine being like, yes, I would like to experience that. That sounds like a good idea. You know, yeah. like it, it, it's, but that's it. You know, what is this instinct towards that altering of your mind that makes you like forego all the other blocks that your brain would put up in saying like, mm, that's not worth it. <sighs> now, the obviously you know you can't you can't go down this path of discussion without using the word addiction right mm-hmm, sure and i've got a i don't know my relationship with that term is let me ask you let me let me let me put this to you in the form of a question then do you sure. term do you term addiction be it to booze be it to opiates be it to you know uppers do you term addiction as a disease personally you... no and here's i think i may have brought this up before but i can't remember if i have so because many do but hey many, not many, everyone's many listened people. yeah many absolutely do and, and i would have in the past um i studies have shown basically or like anything that just understanding basic physical physiology of humans and our brains and things like that show that when what we term as addiction and as a disease is a very normal response of our brain to the stimulus that we're receiving. That mm. when something is doing something that causes you positive feelings or that takes away a pain or things like that, if your brain is functioning as it's supposed to, it will train you to keep doing it. Mm. Right? That's a sign of a healthy brain. Your brain is mm. saying, hey, you've done a thing that fixes a problem or you yeah. know, uh, makes you feel better, stuff like that. And that is what your brain is supposed to do yeah and that you know a lot of this framing it as addiction makes it into like a personal like you know oh you or as a disease rather is like oh this is like a thing that you have uh and you are particularly predisposed to and it is entirely your responsibility to deal with as opposed to the fact that like no this is like your body responding correctly and it's like companies that are selling you shit and whatnot who are taking advantage of this uh, mm. in order to keep you hooked on stuff that they know your brain is doing that for. So that's I, my way of looking at it is it's not a disease it's a thing that your brain is is supposed to yes do. yeah it's a it, yeah it's a function which you're interpreting yeah uh, exactly and I I I can't separate the the notion of the word disease from the concept of it being an, an, an invasive a foreign body something which right. is in your body which shouldn't be makes yeah. you ill because of your body's reaction to try and fight that it's an external force right yeah that yeah, is what totally. i think of as disease yeah and which there's really no scientific evidence is a thing that is happening in your body when it comes to this stuff exactly 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 the choice to repeatedly engage in a behavior which it is it's mm-hmm. a choice you are choosing to do it uh whether to you know to curb symptoms from not having done it for a while or whether to chase a feeling which you get from doing it you are still making a choice to do something and repeatedly choosing to engage in in behaviors and allowing it to have a ruinous effect on your life i can't view that as a disease right. one is one is an external force acting upon you the right. other is a decision that you are making and maybe that's naive of me and i dare say uh, uh, i dare say an addict would refute that utterly and would and would have very compelling uh reasons for doing so but yeah. i can't well and i 
I think, you know, that that I agree. And also that, like, there comes a point where it isn't necessarily choice as simply as that, right? Like, your brain starts to sort of need something. I mean, that's why withdrawals, a thing that I didn't know was a thing until recently, was that literally you can die from alcohol withdrawal. So if you quit yeah, cold sure. turkey from alcohol, mm. you can have, like, a stroke as a result of this because this has become a thing that your body needs and it reacts this way when you take it away from it. And so it's mm. not like as easy as simply I'm choosing a ruinous path as much as I was just like, I don't understand why people do this. I don't understand why people try it. I understand mm. why then once you've tried it, it becomes a thing that your body now, you have a really hard time not doing. And that can be, with just about anything it's the same reason like someone would overeat or like any other kind of thing or drink too much or anything mm. is you know it has a response that is positive for your body mm. um and it is perfectly reasonable and not necessarily you actively choosing to take a destructive path it's just you're giving your brain what it's telling you it needs yes but the more the more i think of it the more it 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 occurs to me that I take a very dim view of of shit people tell themselves to allow them to behave in specific ways. Sure, I get that. I get that. Uh, discipline is another. Oh, I'd love mm -hmm. to. I'd love to go for a run, but I'm just not disciplined enough. That's bullshit. <laughs> and right, I right. feel the same about. Oh, well, I would stop smoking, but I'm addicted. <laughs> Fuck off. You aren't. Right. You aren't. It is something you are telling yourself to allow yourself to continue doing that because you you enjoy doing it and you want to not you want to you want to carry on doing it. So right. you're telling yourself that to give yourself an out. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, think... I think it's it's complex. It's more complicated. I think that's is, true yes. and it's not true. Right. Like I think it's both mm. things. I think that's absolutely true. It's easy to tell ourselves those fictions so that we don't have to make a change if you're trying to, you know justify things like that that also doesn't mean that it's impossible um no. but it also means that for some people it's going to be incredibly difficult and it's not as simple as as just you know if i tell myself i can i can you know like i said you can die you can literally die from not drinking alcohol if you've been doing it every day you know <laughs> like so it, it there's multiple reasons that it's not as simple as just that I I believe the 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 huge majority of addiction as a concept is bullshit. I don't know that the science backs that up though. I understand your opinion. I don't know mm. that science necessarily backs up that that's true or that I mean maybe that's a semantics issue, but I don't think that addiction or the idea of becoming dependent is bullshit in and of itself. To use to use your example that you can, yes, you can physically put your health in extreme danger to the point of dying if you stop, uh, if an alcoholic, if a, a long-term trenchant alcoholic stops cold turkey. Okay. That in and of itself isn't the end of the story, though. There are ways of doing There are ways of coming off it that you can decide to engage right. in. That... Absolutely. But, you know, that's someone making a choice that they thought was the right choice was, you know, I don't want to drink anymore. And so I... I stopped and then, you know, something like this happens because that's the narrative, right? Is like, you just mm. need to stop doing it. Mm. Um, but if you don't understand what your brain and your body are doing, mm. 
then you don't understand why that choice doesn't make sense. Right. Because, you know, like for a lot of people like, OK, I have become dependent on this thing. If I I can't have one, you know, like I can't I can't just have a drink and mm. be fine. I'm going to then binge. So you are trying to get past whatever, you know, you this addiction or whatever. Uh, and so by doing that, you go cold turkey and you don't understand the physiological element of that. And thus something like this can happen. And that's I think instances like that show that it is more chemical it is more physiological and that doesn't make it a disease but it is more grounded in the body and in what your brain is supposed to be doing than we give it credit for and so both the idea of it as a disease that you can't escape and the idea of it as strictly a choice are wrong on their faces it's a mixture of these things yes I, I, I am aware that I'm grossly oversimplifying things. But even in even in your example there, do you know what? I simply can't have just one drink. Well, you can. You physically can. You physically could just have one and stop. But your brain is telling you not to. You have become dependent and physiologically, chemically, your brain is saying you need more of these. You can't just have this one. You need physically to have more of these. Just like your brain tells you to do any other thing that you do. Like it tells you to eat. Like it tells you to breathe. Sure. It just I, keeps on happening. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not at the mercy of, of, of my brain. I can... Yes, I you can, are. I cannot have that second one. <laughs> I, I, what am I getting at? I, there is no one, I believe that there is no one who is... Who is genuinely 100% physically incapable of just having one tin and then walking away. Nobody has a disorder which compels them physically to go and get another tin and another tin and another tin. You can decide to go against what your instinct, your mammalian fucking instinct is. But that's not what it is. It's not like, I mean, yes, like it is that but i think to me that's the thing is if you break it down that way and think it is merely a matter of willpower you're ignoring chemistry you're ignoring your willpower brain telling can, willpower can can you can decide to fucking go against but the chemistry that's not I real believe. that's not real mark that's not what it, like that's not what science says about this is that like it's as simple as that you know this is what so many studies have shown about this is that this is a matter of your brain being trained towards something that becomes a, a physiological need um and so while yes like theoretically just like anything else you can stop yourself from doing you can yeah. You know, anything I can stop myself from breathing right now. Right. Like if I want to. But it's still a thing that my body is eventually going to tell me I need to start doing again. Um, and so it's not as easy as simply making a choice when physiologically, chemically, your brain is saying you need this now, you know, because that what you're actually doing is going against your body's instinct, your physical sense you have to be able to overcome your body telling you what you need and your that's body really isn't, hard your body isn't telling you that you need oxygen you will die if you don't breathe <laughs> sure. i won't but die if yeah, i don't have right. a second tin yeah no i mean i mean i don't disagree with you there i'm just talking about what your brain is doing what it's telling you that mm. it needs to do and brain chemistry is real like that's an actual 
thing. Like I said, it's what your brain is telling you it needs and what you should do. And that's it functioning properly. That is a brain doing what it's supposed to do. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> that I, that is eye opener. I mean, the first time that we that we went into this, whenever it was, the the concept that your brain is actually something that makes it feel good and and you know releases the pleasure chemicals. Obviously, it's going to inform yeah. you to go and get more of those. Right. I mean, and if we're talking about this mammalian impulse, right? Like that's mm. it's this is being told to other animals as well. It's not just yes. us that is being told. You know, this is something that your body uh, is going to enjoy and that you should continue to do. Right. Like, I don't think I don't think dolphins know they can OD. They know when something's poisonous to them. So they only take as much as, you know, uh, they need to not die. But at the same time, if they could be that high all the time, they probably would. (laughs) And I, I, I love the idea of a bunch of fucking dolphin lads. Just going Stoned. out and scoring a puffer fish and just chucking yeah. it around. I love that. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I I remain uncomfortable with the suggestion, though, that the chemistry rules me. I think I can kick Well, I know you're uncomfortable chemistry. with that. Yeah. You like to think you have a lot of control yes. over this stuff. Yes. You know, and this comes up often, I think, in conversations about things that you like to think that you make all the choices and that, you know, uh, everything you do is in your power. But I don't think that that's, I don't think that that is necessarily true or that it's true for everyone either. Um, You know, and we, we are in some ways ruled by things that we are unaware of um, and that that, are physical and and chemical. That's the crux of it. I think, I, I think I drive the meat, not the meat drives me. Right. But it does. It does. You may make choices about some things uh, and not about others consciously, but, you know, and you consider it universal when not everything is universal. Not everybody's bodies work the same way and things like that. Uh, so because you can do something or whatever, you know, and it could be your response to something. Like what happens when you feel sad right and Mm. your responses to that like we were talking about this the other day that you were like i do this shit that i don't want to do right (laughs) like i know i shouldn't do this and yet i do it nonetheless you know like that's your your brain controlling you and telling you that's what it is that what you should do you could stop it but you still do it despite knowing it's destructive to you so we all have to come to terms with the fact that we we may have a choice but it's not as easy as having a choice Yes. Nothing that you've said that I is is anything that I disagree with. And I know things. That, look, social and like you've said, uh, advertising, family history. You know, nature, nurture. All of that goes mm-hmm. into how susceptible one is. Right. To the mammalian instinct, right? Right, because you can have two people raised in the same home who have completely different reactions to these kinds of things someone who's raised in a home with addicts who becomes yeah. an addict and someone who never touches the stuff or easily can have like one drink and say i'm done or things like that you yes. know and they had these same sort of things but the way that they sort of respond to stuff is different you know yes. you can see the destruction and go different ways it just depends it's just not as easy as i choose one or the other 
And I think your examples think... of these animals and whatnot is helpful in understanding that. Mm. And I, I think that's the crux of it. I think that's where we diversify a little bit in our opinion here, because I think that ultimately it's not you're in control and not your brain. I know and they're one of the same, but I think your higher functions win out of your chemical impulses. <laughs> I, I want to like, just like yell the, the Kimmy Schmidt gif at you. Like your experiences are not universal. Yeah. Also true, also <laughs> you know, true, like, you know. and that's the thing is that I get, I think that that is the tendency that a lot of us have is to think that like, if I can, and if my yeah, brain yeah. works a certain way, then that yeah. must be because everyone else has a brain yeah. that works exactly like mine and I'm just in better control of it, which is a comforting thing to think. I'm just really good at controlling my brain and anyone else who can't control their brain, it's their fault for not being able to control it. I'm very good at this. Like, that's no, that an appealing thought. That is very much what I think. <laughs> yeah, I can see why that's an appealing thought to have, but I don't think that I do from think a scientific that. perspective that's backed up. You know, okay. and a, a book that really goes into a lot of the studies about this is called Quit Like a Woman. And I highly recommend it. That delves deeply into the science of this and is super, super fascinating um, in talking about what exactly your brain is doing and the research that has been conducted for decades on this mm. stuff. It's it's fascinating. So if you're interested, Quit Like a Woman is a really good read. The title is kind of stupid. I know that they, they probably made her call it that to appeal to, <laughs> you know, a certain audience. But for anyone interested in, in sort of understanding the science of addiction and things like that, it really is um, very well researched and interesting to read. <laughs> this is your brain on Joag. I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this episode has been a journey. Mm, it has. Uh, and there's, the, I mean, there's more. I mean, you only yeah. have to look into Britain's recent history for an example of you know what happens when uh powerful potent actual narcotics are in free supply legally For, you know I, I it's another episode maybe another episode when we yeah, talk about sure. the fucking you know the 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 couple of years where methadrone was everywhere in britain um because yeah. that that's a discussion and a half um how how the the how the media reacted how culture reacted um mm -hmm. i look forward to digging that one up in a, in a in a in a future episode absolutely so thanks for listening to us yell at each other here on yeah. jack of all graves uh, yes. <laughs> it's been very very fun um mm. and as always if you enjoyed it if that was a good time for you um, please do uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us and, and uh, have them chime in. Let us know what you think about um, addiction, about mammals and drug use and dolphins mm. and pufferfish, pufferfish pass and whatever else. Um, and yeah, anything else to add, Mark? No, uh, just if I could, I would... Give each one of you a little gentle feathery kiss on the forehead. It's beautiful. Yeah. Stay Thanks spooky, friends. <laughs> Good night. 
Crossfire.